The tulips are too excitable. It is winter here. Look how white everything is, how quiet, how snowed in. I am learning peacefulness, lying by myself quietly as the light lies on these white walls, this bed, these hands. I am nobody. I have nothing to do with explosions. I have given my name and my day clothes up to the nurses and my history to the anaesthetist and my body to surgeons. This illness is, uh, is different. They're preparing us to live in the community outside, you know. They give us uh, cookery lessons and uh, how to communicate properly with people and uh, how, to, uh, how to be self-sufficient, you know more or less, when we go outside. So that uh, when we go to live together in the, in the houses outside, we'll be able to get on with each other and uh, help one another. From Sylvia Platt's claustrophobic description of hospital life to a view of hope, as one of the long-term psychiatric patients at St. Brendan's Hospital looks forward to a new life as part of the community. A new project has been established at St. Brendan's to re-socialise patients who have lived in psychiatric institutions for between 3 and 18 years. It's a long way from the days when St. Brendan's was first established for the insane poor in 1810. In that century, it existed in the same grounds as a large prison, where disease was often rife. For this and other reasons, a stigma has been attached to psychiatric patients and this stigma can still be found in Ireland today. The new project, under Dr Michael Corrie, attempts to change that prejudice. It's a three-year project. The plan is to re-socialise or rehabilitate or re-educate 20 clients, or what we call clients now, they used to be long-stay psychiatric patients, to train 20 clients every six months to take their place uh, in society. The term re-socialisation re really means to, to help people to live amongst people again. M most of the clients uh, that we are working with have spent many years in, inside the hospital. So they have been out of practice uh, with the kind of skills that are necessary to live in society. And we're hoping to teach them those skills again. If you like, it's a program where we teach life management skills, to teach them uh, how to cook, to teach them how to care for their clothing, to teach them uh, in terms of body hygiene, and obviously to take care of their living space, and hopefully as well with vocational training, to be able to earn an income and have some life of independence away from a dependent situation, which it is, in fact, for somebody to live in a psychiatric hospital. Would you find that um, a lot of the uh, clients that you're dealing with are institutionalised by having been in hospital and being taken care of for so long? Yeah, I think the original problems by which they come into hospital originally with have been compounded by the process of institutionalisation. I think institutionalisation can only be understood when, when you use the term institutionalism, which is really a state or, or a phenomenon that comes about when somebody lives day in, day out, year in, year out, uh, under the same authority, eating, sleeping,
playing with the same people in the one environment. I think the emphasis has to be in the one environment because in normal society or if you like an outside community uh, society because a, an, an institution is a society in itself but in outside society people sharing that society have many different in choices of environment in any given day so there's a lot of stimulation uh, in fact probably one of the problems in outer society today is that people probably are overstimulated where our clients are the other pole are understimulated uh, and have a natural rhythm within the hospital which circulates around meal times, getting up, going to bed. And many of them would sit really after their breakfast right through until lunchtime if there wasn't some, some program of activity for them. So again, the original illness has been compounded by the process of institutionalism. I got depressed. My mother died. And I got depressed then. And I came in there. I was in 22 ward over there. And what was it like? It was nice, it was very small though. There, mostly old people. Only a few young. And how many people were there in the ward? About 50. 40 or 50. 40 or 50. So how used do you spend your day when you were in there? I in the used to uh, help in the kitchen, washing up each evening and the dinner time and the daytime and the morning and help with the dormitory and um, you know help around uh, cleaning, washing up, sweeping, dusting and then I used to get uh, my money for and I used to buy my own stuff in the canteen. And were you happy there? I was, yes. And what are the differences between being over there and being here? Well, I like here better. It's more open. The door is open all the time. In 23, the door was locked. And the door is open. You can go away like for messages. And what you want to buy in at the door. And where you want to come. And who you want to visit. What kind of things have you learnt in the classes? Well, I've learnt to cook, make beds, sweep up, uh, set tables wash up, wash clothes, and look after myself. And do you feel more confident? I do, being, yes. Being I able do, to mind yourself? I feel grand. So at the end of this project, you're going to be going out, living in a house in the community? Yes, yeah, it's a hospital in Montpellier. I'm delighted. It'll be a change from here. It'll be a grand change, new, new health. Are you a bit frightened at all? I know, a bit frightened. No, not too frightened. Just to see how we get on in it. Because there might be men mixed with us. And we're frightened in case, uh, not frightened, but to see where we were able to get on better than we did here. What do you hope in the long term? Like, would you like to work again? I hope I'd like to get a job and keep myself in. No in money and food and I get me money but I'd like to get a job as well but I'll have more money food and clothes and different things you know cigarettes or uh, fruit or something no not fruit but lemonade or something what did you work at before before your mother died I used to work in a factory, a chocolate factory, 
near the house. And would Thailand. you like to do that again? I would, but the factory's closed. I'd like a job in a factory. Mm -hmm. So the approach that you're using here has got to do with giving people social skills that they didn't learn before they came into the hospital. Didn't learn or because of many years spent in hospital have lost. The skills that have been built up and that without being practiced have become redundant probably is the right word. Uh, it's making sense for them of their illness. And I think this is what is so important is that these people have gone through a process, they have suffered. Even to see that mental illness, as some people would like to see it, maybe perhaps uh, people who would be followers of Lang are inclined to see mental illness as a romance, as a romantic way, almost like poetry, that people have found the world such a horrible place to live and that they have revolted politically against it and have withdrawn into inactivity. I think that says more about the 60s than about, in fact, the reality of where these people are. I think they suffer greatly. Many of them get very much lost in their inner worlds and feel very, very beaten, um, feel very, very confused when I think people talk about the romance of mental illness, uh, the poetry, the surrealism, because it's not really talking about them, it's talking about the people who are actually saying it. Uh, and what we're saying is these people have been severely damaged and what we're trying to do is really build them back up again to help them to re-establish a sense of control, a sense of dignity. Paddy Russell, how long are you here in St. Brendan's? On and off about 12 years. And why did you uh, come in here originally? Uh, me nerves. Drink. Drink. You were drinking heavily mm. and you came in to get cured of that? Not cured but uh, I couldn't go anywhere else. But, uh, there was nowhere else which really proper me, like, you know. You know? So you were then um, in one of the wards here in yeah. the hospital yeah. those years. Yeah. Could you describe what they were like? Terrible. Terrible. Mm -hmm. Not 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 in the sense like the uh, staff. Like there, there is there was some bad staff but uh, the ward itself was terrible, terrible state of condition, terrible conditions. You know, dark, um, bad furniture, uh, uh, beds were very hard, things like that. And how many people would there be in the ward? <coughs> in that one, the first one I was in, it was about, uh, about 50. 50 people? Mm. And the first few days I was there, there was one person died. Uh, chronic alcoholic. So how used you to spend the day? Here. Uh, therapy. Uh, there was only one building there over there that's still there now. And uh, I just got through hell in there. You know. But mainly, like, <clears throat> any, any chance you could get a drink, you take it. Yeah. Why was that? Because you were lonely or? No, because I was an alcoholic. And do you think you're still an alcoholic? Oh, definitely. definitely. Once an alcoholic, I was an alcoholic. Uh, I tried AA. I think I'm ready for AA now. Like, you know, I, uh, I've been going to AA. Well, I was going to AA since 68, since we first met last week.
uh, just before, the day before I went in, the before Smith Lost Club. And uh, it's a very good programme if you follow it. You know? So, this project you're on now? It's very slick, it's water. It's water. After, after 4 o'clock at night, you can go anywhere. You can go anywhere. Do you find that that um, puts you under a lot of temptation as regards drink? Well, what I've gone through in the past, uh, since I've been in this unit, this rehabilitation unit now, in, 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 in the grounds of uh, I don't think I'll ever drink again. I don't think so. The therapy is, is strict. If you go against them, it's, it's too bad for you. It's too bad for you. You know? <laughs> So you're not worried about at the end of the project. If I stop drinking, all my problems will stop. Mm. If I stop drinking, there'll be no one after me. Do you get depressed from when you're drinking? I get the horrors. I get the DTs. Uh, I could get them any time in the pub. Any time. Well, it means like. We've all got to grow up. Uh, I was a kid when I came in here, even though I was an alcoholic. Uh, even though I am an alcoholic. And uh, uh, it's made me grow up. The therapy itself, the, the, the hardness of adulthood is terrible to face. But, but uh, there was a few. Uh, trainers, trainers, uh, said it, it, they thought I had it in me to grow up, you know, so that's why they kept on in me. They'd have given up long ago. If they had a thought, I wouldn't have made it. And if you managed to stay off alcohol, I'll stay off right. drink, I'll be all right. and yeah. what would you hope to do then? Walk. The person who would be trying to get work for Paddy is his advocate. She sums up this change of approach from nursing and medication to friendship and counselling. Your role as an advocate is um, quite different from your general role um, as a nurse within the unit because first of all you have individual contact with your client. All our patients are known as clients. You have um, direct contact with them. So you are in actual fact building up a special relationship with our client and um, in order to do this you have to just spend a lot of time with each other. Um, barriers, you have to go beyond the usual patient-nurse barrier and um, what's happened is the patient is dropping the sick role, we're working towards that and I'm dropping the, um, the nurse that might represent authority, whatever, and I will be there as a friend. How do you get to know the particular uh, clients that you are advocate for? Um, and a big aspect of um, the relationship building would be based on her life at home and her how, what kind of a child, what kind of an upbringing she had. So the only way to find out that information is to go back into the home and um, have communication with parents, brothers, sisters, or anybody who will be a key person. Maybe it might be a local teacher, a person who's a local shopkeeper, whatever, friends. Um, so you would build up from your client, you would develop this, um, this, the, you know, a note and 
of the actual people who were the key people involved and you go and interview them and get it, collect as much information so as you can build up a picture of how um, the client was growing up and what, where were the crisis points, what factors influenced her, why um, she or he in that family were the ones who were um, disturbed and why other members seem to escape this or are there more involved and just build up um, a picture of how she was in her environment. A lot of people uh, perhaps listening to you now might have a very frightened notion when they think of psychiatric patients. They might think that they're a bit dangerous, they might think that they wouldn't be able to respond if they had a psychiatric patient living next door to mm. them. What would you say to people who had that view? If I was in a situation where um, I, had a, I was in an environment that was not very stable, I could um, develop, become introverted, become bizarre, develop all these mannerisms towards um, escapism or whatever. So, you know, it can happen to anybody really, you know. So I think we have to remember this all the time, that it's, it's stability of environment is such a, a kind of an influencing factor. I can understand that there might be apprehension or whatever because sometimes mannerisms are awkward or whatever, strained, but that's the area we're trying to work on. So we hope that we'll have people living in a community at a proficient kind of a level. So I would just hope that w w there would be a good backup with neighbours and whatever, but then we have a role in that within ourselves to go and meet these people and the neighbours involved and get them involved in community activities. You volunteered to come over, <coughs> all of the advocates working on this project have volunteered to work on it. Mm -hmm. Why did you do that? Um, I just felt it was, I liked the concept of not branding people, the getting away from the diagnosis and treating people as individuals. I liked that concept and then um, on hearing more about it, the actual, it seems such a more positive step to teach people social skills and not treat them as a schizophrenic or as a manic depressive or whatever, to actually go into their core, find out why they're behaving the way they are and set about an active program towards rehabilitation instead of maybe a dormant uh, passive program that mightn't deal with the problems in an effective way. That's basically why I joined in the team. And um, uh, I'm not sorry, I, I did, you know. I came in with a nervous breakdown. And I'm perfectly well now at the moment. I'm just waiting to go outside, you know. I've had, I've been on tablets and injections and that, you know. But I've, I'm completely well now and I can do without them now, you know. I'm just waiting for two. Well, I'm waiting for the corporation to give me a flat before I go out, you know. And uh, the uh, my advocate is looking after the the uh, corporation end of it, you know. And uh, there's a possibility I'll get a flat before I leave the hospital, you know. And have you been taking less drugs over the last few months? I have. They've been reduced uh, every so often, you know, and I'm off them completely now. I feel I feel uh, very well, you know. Yeah. What What do you think caused your nervous breakdown at that time? 
Well, I was hearing voices and uh, my head, I just wasn't myself at all, you know. Um, I had even thought of uh, doing away with myself at one stage, you know. Were things going badly for you then? They were, yes. And as soon as I came into hospital, uh, things got better after about three months. No, and it got steadily better than over the three years. Mm. And, um, well, I just, I don't hear any voices now at all, you know. My sickness has gone completely from me now altogether, you know. And I'm feeling very well now. And there's a possibility of a job outside now from the NRB. They, they, they can, they're doing their best for us to try and get, uh, get us jobs before we go out, you know, or to get us put into uh, Anko or one of these industrial places, you know. Do you feel that you've learnt a lot in here in the three years and particularly in the last few months? Have you learnt skills? Well, we're learning a few skills here in the project here. Um, we didn't do much in the other wards, you know. I was in 3A when I came here first, and uh, that was only a recovery unit, really, you know. And then I was sent down to Unit 9. What was it like? It was uh, very quiet. Um, we didn't do any. There was therapy there if you wanted to go to it, you know, but it's, the therapy is, uh, it's very simple work, you know, it's not, it's nothing, uh, there's nothing really challenging about it, you know. It's a bit boring. A bit boring at times, that's all. But this unit is, uh, is different. <coughs> They're preparing us to live in the community outside, you know. And, uh, How are they preparing you? In what way? They give us uh, cookery lessons and uh, how to communicate properly with people and uh, how to be self-sufficient, you know, more or less, when we go outside. So that uh, when we go to live together in the, in the houses outside, we'll be able to get on with each other and uh, help one another. The main thing is to get us off the tablets and drugs and things, uh, to be able to do it out is be a good thing, you know. Because uh, I think I've been so long in hospital uh, taking drugs for such a long time, period of time, um, there's a danger you might be become dependent on them and that, you know. And uh, if you can come off them steadily, uh, well, you'd be far better off, you know. To help with this and to increase the trainee's confidence, techniques like video are used to allow them to see themselves in different roles, doing job interviews, holding an ordinary conversation, or indeed ordering a meal in a restaurant. Um, so it's a French fry or 
And they love the video. They really do. They love the idea of being on the television, I suppose, because television is uh, a big part of the hospital and it all stars on television. So it's, you know, and then people even that uh, don't dress so well or it kind of would be sort of stooped and that. You see them kind of sitting up and uh, suddenly making themselves look nicer, uh, which is very good for them because they haven't um, had that opportunity before. They don't really perceive themselves as people, you know, as, as they don't have a sense of self. And um, so the video is very good at helping that. <coughs> we start from the very basics to, uh, of just about body language and how you use your body and how you use your eye contact. And then we'd work into specific things. And we'd also cover things um, like uh, things that are very obvious in the hospital like table manners and how you dress and because those things are just um, in the hospital situa s uh, setting they really they lose all those because it's not no longer necessary for them to be nicely dressed for example or to present themselves well so you really have to do a whole what we did was we, we did a, a series of weeks like a hygiene week and a clothes week and we tried to make all the classes geared towards that. Like, um, and again, I'd work out a series of kind of funny role plays. Um, you know, a uh, person going into the shop and they're really scruffly dressed and the assistants kind of snigger at them and try and get them out really fast. And then you'd say, why? Uh, because they're not so well dressed and if they brush their hair and you know, and then actually go in with the practical things. Well, how do you do it? You know, how often do you wash your clothes? Do you know how to use the laundrette? All those, you know, you bring the practical details in. But a lot of it is actually getting them to realise again that they need to do that. And what do you think of this project that is I happening at the moment? I think it's fantastic. It makes you improve and it helps you out. And I think the projects are very good. There's something that I'm learning that I didn't know before. I'm learning things I never did before. What kind of things are you Things learning? like forms, how to fill in forms for, for um, getting uh, letters for forms, for putting your name on it. You know, say you're going to a job or you're going to their labour exchange, you ask for uh, you want some money or something like that and you fill in the forms. Things like that, you know. And what else? What and we things? learn um, reading, writing. I've been with Colm a lot. Colm's taught me very well, you know. He's taught me admin, he's taught me. Reading, he's taught me everything. I've got, I've learned an awful lot now, since an awful lot since. This is in the last three months. Yeah. And what about the other classes? Like, um, you learn we learn Tai Chi. We learn Tai Chi. It's very good for breathing exercises. Very good. We do it like this. You know, we go like this. Very good for exercises. You know. I've been terrific now. So, is it very different than, say, in one of the other wards? Well, the other wards have been good to me too, you know. I've been learning a lot, you know. I've been going to classes up there and everything, you know. And uh, I've learned, I've learned a good lot. But down here I've learned a little more, you know. Like, I've learned all one class, but here I've learned an awful lot here. Great times with parties and everything. Beautiful parties. Great times. When I'd be parties out here tonight, it was great. 
And what happens at the party? Well, there was uh, sandwiches, mayonnaise, ham, tuna potato. Oh, lovely. And we had cakes and we had tea and all. And was there dancing and singing? Dancing and singing and all. Yeah, David does the dancing and singing. David plays guitar. And that's curry dances. He has put it on television programs. That's a curry. Oh, this is the videos that you make? The made. videos, yeah. And then you play them back? That's right, yeah. And what do you look like when you're on the screen? Well, you can see everything you're doing. Uh, <laughs> I was on it, I was like, <laughs> I could see myself doing it on television. Smoking away? Smoking, you know, and then sitting down and then getting up and walking, whatever it's to do, you know. Very good. And you do different situations well, on yeah, the video yeah. programmes. Mm. Do you do things like job do interviews and like job interviews video? How you look when you go into shops. How you approach people, we learn that drama. How to approach people, how to look at people and talk to them, smile at them. Go us and see us sad. Because it seems something wrong with you were worrying or something like that, you know. Casey taught us all that, you know. Which I think is very, very interesting. Because it is the thing that really comes up in the mouth. Because when you're out, you've got to know these things. When you're out, you say, you know. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you feel terrific. It'll be different now when the project is over and you're out in a house. That's right, yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I think the house is beautiful. It's a credit to Dr. Curry. You've been in the house? I've been in the house. I think it's a credit. Beautiful. A little garden in front and about four or five armchairs, fires, and a fire in the kitchen. You know, the coal fires, put brickets out fire lights or something on them, down ones. And there's a lovely kitchenette. And we do cooking and things we like to cook. You seem to me to be a very happy person. Do you I think you're very happy, yeah. At the moment I am very happy. One of the things you're doing here <coughs> on the project is that you have a very open system. The patients can come and go fairly freely, having been previously in a locked ward situation. How have they coped with that change? Um, well, we have in the unit, as I say, 20 clients, and they have had a total of 283 years between them. Uh, that's a mean of uh, 14 years. Half of those, in fact, would have come from locked wards. Now, we have found to our surprise, happily to our surprise, that by having a very open system within the unit, by making all our clients voluntary, by allowing them uh, total freedom of the grounds and total freedom of the community. Obviously there are limits uh, that permission is sought and that they agree to be back by a certain time. Or if they want to stay overnight with friends, that's fine, as long as we know where they are. That we found that by making them voluntary, by, in a sense, throwing away the key, um, that we can begin to work with them much more as human beings and they with us as human beings. Why we call them clients is, it may sound a bit contrived, but when you call somebody a patient, I feel they become patients. I think a person comes what they are called. When you call somebody a doctor, they literally become a doctor. In other words, the humanity of that person becomes subsumed under their professional title. So we have found that our clients have 
just suddenly become more human, even without you know an enormous amount of therapy being done. That they're living in in a very pleasant environment. The building has been refurbished. We have a lot of interesting programs for them during the day. We're very much treating them as humans. We have policy meetings in which they're involved, actively involved. They can come up with suggestions. They can make a lot of changes uh, within the unit. And that is not contrived. It's three months later, the training is over and the trainees have moved out of the hospital unit and into their new home. A comfortable, semi-detached house with four bedrooms, a garden and a very modern kitchen. They are now fending for themselves, but seem happy with the change. I was delighted to get over. We get on all right. Charlie does the cook and then we do the cleaning up, wash the floors and hoover the bedrooms and hoover downstairs. That's all. Is it very different from being inside it in is. a locked ward in a hospital? Oh, it is. It's much different. It's much better being out here. It is. In what way? Because you wouldn't be, you can do what you like and say what you like. It's better. It's better being that in a crowd looking at you, to be just two. It's grand. It's just two people in yeah in, the, in bedroom. the bedroom. That's it's much better. You can do and talk what you like and all. And other people listening, sometimes you wouldn't know what to say. You know, them all listening. You were in St Brendan's Hospital before you came here. I was, yeah. How long were you there for? About fifteen or sixteen years. Yes. And were you in one of the wards there? I was in several wards there. And what was that like? Ah, oh, not too bad. I was sure of a bed every night. Well, the last ward I was in, oh, it was about 46. About 46 people. That's a lot. Yes. And I'd say the last, when I was in number two, I'd say there was about, I'd say there was about 46 too there. Or maybe a little more. It was a fairly big ward. It was all knocked down. And then, uh, and then when I was in 23, I'd say there was about 30 there then, before it was the project. I'd say there was about 30 there then, about 30. Did you find that very crowded to live in? Uh, not really, I adapted myself. When you came into the hospital originally, yes. what was wrong with you? What was the problem? Well, I stopped working. And uh, I went a bit haywire with the money I was getting before I stopped working. And my father was still alive then, and my mother was alive. And I was on the labour and on the assistance. And I got another job for a while, and then I was back on the labour again. And my father was still working until he was seven. He kept the house going. My mother got the visit to Paul to call. She was getting the old age pension. And getting a few shillings off my brother and the Vincent de Paul and we were living anyway but uh, I was keeping company with this girl and I was had intentions to get married I pushed things a bit too quick and I broke it off I didn't do any harm on her other than that and played on my mind a bit I was letting ridiculous things play on my mind and it sort of stalled me down a bit otherwise and that don't I, if I got a job down that town again, I'd make it. If I got a job down the town, though, I'm 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 49 now. I'd make it down that town again if I got a job, back at the grocery or some job. So, do you pay your own rent and yes, organise your money? Yes, I paid it today. I paid it so far. I paid 12 pound for the food, 
we had the budget uh, budget in the field. We all give twelve pound. I think I give twelve pound, and uh, I give six pound rent. That's eighteen pound. That's eighteen pound. I give. I give it in today. And that's out of your assistance. Out of my national health money, which arrived today in this evening. And what kind of things do you eat here? Well, I. Uh, I made stew last Saturday. You're the chef, I believe. So far. And uh, I made stew last Saturday and I had pork chops on Sunday and I make scrambled egg for the tea sometimes and I fried rashes and sausages tonight, grilled rashes and sausages tonight. And uh, I've uh, given them cheese another night and I've given them corned beef and salad another night. I get something different every night. Do you find it hard to think up? Well, sometimes new I dishes. do. I do sometimes. I do sometimes. Though I don't repeat so much. I haven't repeated anything for. I've, I've had something different for every week so far. Every night, I've, I've had something different. I've had something different. So, are you happy here? Oh yeah, so far I am. I've been coping with everything so far. Paddy Russell, the last time I was talking to you was in the hospital in St. Brendan's and you were preparing then to come here to the house. Yeah. How have things gone for you since? I'm a bit high, uh, living out the hospital and uh, uh, as I said before, I'm an alcoholic and uh, I can't seem to stop drinking. I, I seem to be stopping it in moderation, taking it in moderation now, but it might, it might build up again, you know, to, to down to the horrors and things like that. I mean, I, I can't sleep at the moment, being on the grounds of the hospital, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether there's fear, I just uh, insomnia. I just can't sleep, you know. And have you been drinking to try and make yourself I had a drink today. I had three points of stout today. And a bottle coming back. A uh, bottle of stout coming back. And uh, seems to do the trick like it's just the old fear. You know? The um, fear? Fear, yeah, fear. Fear. Fear of uh, pressure, you know. I mean, this could be a good house now. The, the hostel and uh, it's it's nice to to say that you know you're out of hospital like but in the same at the same time I'm in fear of being out of the hospital like so uh, it's very hard to distinguish fear from reality or things like that I don't know, I don't know. I suppose it's a big change, really, from being under the supervision of doctors and yeah, nurses and yeah. everything very well controlled to be here yeah. on your own. Yeah. Well, I've got this room on my own. I've got, I've got this this room on my own. I've got my record player, and uh, it's a great chance. This place now, it's a great chance. I mean, we'll have to phone really. I mean, Marion wanted to get us on tonight. You know, she won't bother as much. You know. They've got to look after us, like you know, but but uh, 
we can help by like by not or not having to come come in and say clean this or clean that or things like that, you know. Keep the place clean. Things like that. I'm not enjoying it yet, you know, I'm not I, I haven't really got over it being out of the hospital like, you know. But uh, I suppose it'll come to be set reality again. When you put long-term psychiatric patients, or any kind of psychiatric patient, into a group and you place them in society, there's always this myth in society that these people are in fact dangerous. In fact, what we would say is that our clients have much more to fear from society than society has to fear from them. They're very, very sensitive uh, people, very, very quiet people. and. Uh, a lot of negative work has been done by sort of television showing people who have psychological problems in a very, very mad, uh, very dangerous way, which in fact uh, is not the case in reality. Certainly not the case within our hospital. We're dealing with very, very sensitive. In fact, I have never seen an act of violence uh, all the years I've been in psychiatry within the hospital. But if I walk outside the building, I see lots of them. Uh, life is a little bit brighter for us now because we have, we're more we're happier here and, and the people that's with us are nice and, and we can cope better, you know. And there's just two of you here in there's this bedroom? There's just two women, just me and Colette in this bedroom and there's three men in the other rooms, three other patients. And... Uh, we we have our evenings in in here, and we go to the hospital in the uh, during the day, and we we go to the occupation therapy, and we do cards and things like that. And then you come back and yeah, cook the dinner. Yeah, cook our dinner, cook our tea, and then we have supper and go to bed. I love entertainment, you know. I love to go for a drink, and I love I like. I have a sister in Las Vegas, you know, and she's in show business, and I like a bit of entertainment myself. I like musicals and things like that on television and, and variety shows and that, you know. I like a good comedian, too. So what are your plans for the future? My plans? Well, I have no plans for the future unless, unless something crops up for me, such as I got a job or something, you know, something something different from what I'm doing at the moment. I'd like a change. Would you like to do a job? I'd like to get a job somewhere, a light job for a start, because I'm not used to too heavy work on account of being in the hospital. But I'd like to get a job or something, maybe in a hairdressing saloon or something, because I'm good at hair, modern hairdressing. Mm -hmm. I'm good at that. I can do modern hairdressing, and I can do beautician work. I can I can beautify the face. I'm very good at that. I can do my own hair professionally, and I can do anybody else's as well. And uh, that's what you were doing before you came into well, the I, hospital. Well, when I was in England, when I was 28, and I was in England, I was doing hairdressing. But the hairdressing at that time wasn't like the hairdressing now. It was different. It was more old-fashioned. They didn't have the modern equipment they have now. That was about uh, 21 years ago, when I was 28, just before I came into Brandon's from England.
Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.